today I'm going to be preaching out of Isaiah 55. I know that it's not really a... Um, I haven't really covered Isaiah much uh, in my preaching. I feel like after seminary, I might be able to tackle it. But it's a very tough uh, book to kind of you know, work through. In no way do I feel confident to preach expositorily through Isaiah, chapter by chapter. Um, I think I, I might go into depression. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Isaiah is a great book, but there's a lot of uh, ups and downs. Uh, I'm going to preach out of Isaiah 55. Uh, and then just, just, uh, I'm gonna look at a big chunk of the, of the chapter today, but for now, let's look at Isaiah 55 verses 8 through 9. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, uh, are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Uh, today, I wanna talk to you guys about, um, Perception, right, and how you view the world around you, how you view, um, you know, if, who's taking a, a psychology class, not psychology, philosophy class. Anybody who liked philosophy? Anybody? Yeah, I uh, I had to take for my uh, for my undergrad not that long ago. I had to take a, a philosophy class. I took it at a community college, and it was the one of it was one of the like the most crazy like mind numbing classes because I understood so little of it. And I had to like write all these papers and I was like, I have no idea what I'm talking about here. There's so much of it is just like so like conceptual. It's like mine. And it's like, you know, I think therefore I am all these things. Um, you know, like there is a whole understanding of thought and philosophy that believes that like, like our perceptions, like it, it, if we think we're alive because we think. And so like whatever we see or experience with our senses is on, the only thing that really exists. I have no idea how, I don't know what that works. Right? It's like, as a Descartes and like, you know, the whole, I, I think therefore I am kind of thing. Um, and so philosophy really like kicked my butt, right? It was just really, you know, I blew my mind and I really didn't get it much. Uh, but today I want to talk a little bit about it, about perception and perspective and how, uh, just in a way that how we see the world, right? How we perceive the world has so much to do with our experience in this world, right? Um, and it's about perspective and how we, and perception and, and, and when it comes to things, nothing can change with our perspective or how we see. Your circumstances can remain the same. You may have the same job, the same family, same friends. You know, you still look the same, right? You know, you didn't lose a bunch of weight. You didn't get any plastic surgery. But how you perceive the world will radically change your experience in that world, right? Um, you know, who loves hiking? Anybody like hiking here? I was expecting one person to raise their hand. I had, a, I had, I was thinking like if Christine was there and Jason was there, they're gonna raise their hands. I, I had a feeling that they like they look like hiking people, right? So when you like we went to this like we went snowboarding and we, there's this mountain, you know, like you know when we went to Muju, they have all these like great hiking places that you can go on, right? And like and I have a friend uh, in, in staff up in Sojina, she loves hiking. And when I look at a hiking trail, right, the first thing that comes to my mind is like agony. And like, and just, it just torture, right? I remember, you know, I used to, um, I had a cousin in Korea at the time. When I first came to Korea, he loved hiking and, he, and we lived right behind this hiking trail up in Seoul. And he used to want to go all the time. And I, every time I looked at that hill, I'd be like, oh, you know, like it would like put like anxiety in my heart. I was like, oh, I hate like climbing. Why do people do this for fun, right? Like I have no idea why people would do 
Like they, I look at a, a hiking trail and I just see like torture and agony. But like somebody like my, like Christine and Jason might look at a hiking trail and think, wow, this is going to be an amazing time, right? They're like, oh, this is going to be so great, right? Like it's all about perception. It's all about how we view. We're looking at the same thing. Right? We're looking at the same, you know, trees and and trails and you know rocks and whatever. But I see something completely different than some somebody like Jason would look at a hiking trail. And a lot of the times, the struggles, the difficulties in our lives, the doubts that we have in our lives, or our insecurities are less about our circumstances and more to do with our perception, our perspective. There are times where I feel so close to God and I feel like I got it all together with God and we're so close and, you know, like, you know, when temptation comes, it's like so easy to like fight off temptation and to stay intimate with God and I'm just always in His presence. And then there are days where I feel really distant and I feel, you know, you know, like everything is just hard and grueling and temptations can be really overwhelming and intimacy just seems so hard. And the word, when I read the word, it just seems dry and I don't even, you know, I don't feel like a draw to the word of God. But a lot of times it has nothing to do with like nothing has changed in me. Like it's like my circumstances are pretty much the same. It's just how my perception, how I see my relationship with God that makes all of the difference. Sometimes there are no changes. There are, nothing is different. Everything's the same. You know, we have all of the same family and jobs. Our, our, our status is all the same, but things can look so different, right? You know, our strengths can look like weaknesses. You know, our gifts can look like, you know, you know, like, like we don't have them. We don't have them. You know, like our insecurities take over. And yet, you know, and, and things can look so drastically different and it all comes down with perspective, to perspective and how we perceive our world and how we perceive our circumstances, right? You know, and, and the key is not having, um, it's, it's not about having perspective, right? Like people always say, oh, you have to have perspective. Everybody has perspective, right? There's seven billion, seven and some change billion perspectives in this world because we all have a way that we, in which we see the world, right? I see the world, I see the world around me as a Korean American person that grew up in Los Angeles and came to Korea and, you know, was raised as a Christian. I have these things, how I see the world. Each of you guys have your own cultural and, you know, like, you know, family and, and, and how you were raised and all of the different things that bring you your special perspectives, right? We live in an information age where, you know, we're bombarded with perspective from Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and, you know, CNN and, and, you know, Fox News, there's all these different perspectives, right? Recently, I've been following this thing called the Freedom Convoy up in Canada. I don't know if you guys have heard, but um, Canada has one of the most, like, intense uh, COVID restrictions probably in the world, right? It's just really intense. And um, people have gotten kind of fed up with it. And the truckers, they put a mandate on the truckers that they, if they want to cross into America and bring things back and forth, they need to get a vaccine. And so, like, like, 27 something kilometer long worth of trucks came all the way from Vancouver to Ottawa and they pro they're protesting. They're still protesting. There's still cars that are blocking the highways, that are blocking the road. And, um, they're protesting the, the, the mandates that are happening in Canada. And when you read CNN, it's so much like how they, like how they talk about the truckers is so different than what Fox News talks about. And it's so crazy, right? Like, CNN, they're like, oh, 
these people are like, you know, they're, they're white supremacists, and I sh- we saw swastikas, and we, it's like, like they're, you know, like they're breaking the law, and all of these things, and then you look at, like, Fox News, and it's like, oh, they're, they're patriots, right? They have the Canadian flag, and, you know, they're, and so if you, into whichever, like, news that you may be coming, you may be getting from out there in the news, your perspective is, people and institutions and, and organizations are constantly trying to give you their perspective in their lives, right? But if you, if you read one type of news, you're always going to get whatever agenda that, that they may have. This is just a side note. I always want to encourage people to read the news from a variety of sources, right? Don't just get set on one. Don't just, don't just get set on CNN or Fox. Like, go to, BC, like, one of the, um, Jason, one of the, the I feel like the, mo- the most, like, kind of, like, uh, like, the most, like, unbiased that I've seen is maybe uh, BBC, right? BBC News, right? Because you know, they have n- nothing to say about America and the conservative and, and liberals. Like, and, like, Reddit and all these different kind of news sources have very, uh, you know, try to get a balance in how you see the news, but perspectives out there there's always going to be trying to give them give you your perspective on how to look at the world and how to see their circumstances and how to um you know like go about living your life and i want to tell you today that it's not about finding the right perspective or the positive perspective or even the good perspective it's about finding god's perspective Um, something might be good but it's not going to be necessarily god right Something might be, something might seem right, but it may not necessarily be God's perspective. You see, it's, it's not walking around with like rose-colored glasses that makes you have this positive perspective on life. A lot of the self-help books are like that out there, right? They want to put this like, you know, it's almost like they want to just put this like tent over your, your eyes and make you, you know, be positive, positivity and all about positive. You know, positivity is good. But that's not the type of perspective that the Bible wants you to have. What God wants you to have is He wants you to have His perspective, God's perspective. It's about living life, looking at the highs and the lows, the good and the bad, through the perspective of knowing that God is near, that He is for us, He is with us, and 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 we can depend on Him. That's the perspective that God wants us to have. When we know that He is near, when we know that you know, that God is real and that He's near and that He's fighting for us and He's with us and He's done everything to kind of redeem us and transform us, it changes how we see the world. It changes how we see circumstances in our lives. Right? I talked about Isaiah 55. We read um, verses uh, 8 and 9 earlier, but I want to start with verse 1. It says, Come, everyone. It's, this is an invitation from the Lord for those who hunger and thirst. right? For those of for, for them that want to, you know, d- desire more from the Lord. It says, Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which is not, which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in rich food, Incline your ears and come to me here that your soul may live. Right? He's like, come to me, buy from me, get what I have for you, get my understanding and, and what is good to me and what will satisfy you. He's like, come to me and it says, incline your ears and come to me here that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, steadfast, sure love for David. Right? He's like, 
If you come to me and I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a promise with you, a covenant with you, I, I have everything that you need. God is saying, I got your back, right? right? If you, if you, whatever you, you, you're thirsty for, right? Whatever you want from me, I have it for you. And then verse six, it says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Right? He's saying like, come in, and, and, and you have this abundance, this like perspective of what God wants for us. He wants to have this, you know, like the good, he wants like rich food and, and satisfy us and, and eat what is good. And, but he's saying, come to me, right? Seek me while I may be found. And that's the key here. It says, you have to seek me while I may be found. Turn to me, repent, turn to me and seek me. And that's where he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And when you come to me, when you, at, when you seek me, right, this is God talking, I'm not going to do things the way that you think it's going to supposed to be like, right? I'm not going to, things are not going to work out in the way that you think is going to be right or whatever you want in your life. If you seek me, you're going to get what I want for your life. It says, my ways are higher than your ways. So seek me while I am near. That's what God is saying. He wants us to have his perspective. And if you don't want to get offended at me and get impatient or get entitled, he's saying you have to look at me. You have to seek me. Because having God's perspective isn't seeing things the way God sees things, right? Because God's saying that it's impossible for us to see it in that way. You know, His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But having God's perspective is looking at God. That's the difference. To God, facing Him, worshiping Him, seeing Him first and foremost, that's how we we can have God's perspective, right? By looking at God, seeking out God, seeking His face. And it's a supernatural perspective, right? It's a perspective that will help us to experience things on a way that like the world will not understand. It's a supernatural way of seeing this world. You look to God first and foremost. It's not, it's not about changing our perspective, it's having our perspective changed by us looking at God. Facing Him, looking to Him, by seeking Him. He has to be our prize, and then he, when He truly becomes our prize, right, He starts to change our perspective. Now, some people see God like a fortune teller. You know, tell me what, what, tell me what is gonna, what's gonna happen in my life. God, I want I want you to know, like, you know, tell me. That's why so many people, like, go seeking out, like, prophetic people. They wanna, like, oh, I wanna know. There's nothing, I, I feel like there's a powerful ministry for the prophetic ministry out there, but then they also have to realize that God's not gonna tell them everything that they wanna know in their lives. Or they treat God like a genie, like, do this for me. Right? I want this in my life. I have to have this. But what God is saying is, seek me, right? Allow me to be my prize, and then I will give you 
my thoughts. Like I, I will give you my perspective so that you will able to see the things that I want to establish in your life and the direction that I want you to go in your life. Like when we seek Him, we enter into His thoughts. He says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. But when we seek Him, we find ourselves in His thoughts. And in His heart, in His will. He says, that it can only happen if you seek Me. Seek Me while I, while, while I can still be found. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Seek me. If you seek my presence, if you seek my face, if you seek who I am, you know, like the way that you see the world will be transformed into the way that I want you to see the world. It's what Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. When people read that wrong, they think, okay, if I seek the kingdom of God, I'm going to get everything that I want. If I seek the kingdom of God, I can get that Mercedes. What's the highest Mercedes class out there? I have no idea. Um, this S class or uh, I can get, if I seek the kingdom of God, I can get the S class. No, right? If you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you know what happens? Your thoughts start to be transformed. The way that you, the renewal of your mind happens and you start to see the world in a way that God sees the world and you realize, oh, this is exactly what I want in my life. God is establishing me exactly in the place that I want to be in my life. Where I am right now is exactly what God wants me to do and it's like the perfect, the moment for my life. It's the perfect thing that He wants me to be in. That's the difference between us trying to use God and us being transformed by God. He has to become our prize. Seek me while I may be found, and he will bring us into his righteousness, into his, into his thinking, into his ways. And then he gives us another promise. Verse 10, it says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which it I propose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. Saying what I'm, what I'm gonna, what I say is gonna happen. What I, what I say I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do it. If you seek me, I will do what I will say I will do. Not what you want, or not what you think you need, or not what you think you want, but what I say I will do. And we get that perspective. How? When we seek Him. So many times, we're looking for perspective in our lives, and we're still basing it on our thinking and our understanding. We think, oh, if this happens in my life, oh God, everything will be perfect. And so God, just make this happen. But then, we're not really seeking God's face. We're seeking His hand. Right? We're seeking Him to like, you know, move His hand and get Him to, to do things for us. But what God is saying is, seek me. Seek my face. Right? Come into the place where you start to really know me and understand me. And you encounter me and you experience me. And then everything in your mind and your heart and your thought process is going to start to change. And you're going to realize you, you have everything that 
that you need from the Lord, you have. It all comes down to perspective and how we see Him. It comes from seeking Him. We gain His perspective when we seek Him. Only when we seek Him and we hunger for 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 Him will we will we have our minds open to what He has to say. Because His ways may not be what our ways look like. Right? We might want to go left and He might tell us to go right. We might think, no, this is the right thing for me right now, and he might say no. Right? And for us to truly be able to receive that word from God and see it as like precious and see it as the perfect thing, what it comes down to is we have to seek him. Seek his face, not his hand. We seek him and his presence. And, and I want to give you an example of this kind of perspective, and it's the life of David. David is considered the greatest king of the Israel. You know, he's one of the. He is considered the greatest humanly. You know, like in the lineage of of kings that there was the, one of the greatest kings. In First Samuel 17, we see a picture of the life of David, but it's not as this like king that, with all of the accolades as being this warrior king and. You know, this like, you know, powerful king, he, he's just a shepherd boy. Right? In the wilderness with his sheep. And then we come to this fam- famous story of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel. Right? We've all heard of David and Goliath, you know. Uh, king Saul and his armies are at war with the Philistines. And, uh, there's this giant, right? Goliath, he's nine feet tall. You know, he's giant, looks so strong. He's like, the rock, he's like the rock on steroids with like, you know, like three feet on him, right? I don't know how big the rock is, but I'm sure he's about six feet tall. So he's nine feet tall. So he's three feet taller than the rock. He's taller than Yao Ming and he's just a you know, giant. And he's standing before the armies of Israel and everybody in the army is terrified. They don't want to face this giant. And no one wants to fight him. Not even the biggest, toughest Israelite soldier wants anything to do with this guy. While this is going on, David is out. What is he doing? He's out tending his father's sheep. Right? And his father, Jesse, calls him and tells him to take some grains and some cheese over to his brother and to the captains of the army in the front line because all of his brothers, except him, went out to battle the Philistines. So he goes down and David sees what's happening. Everyone is afraid of this giant. Even the king and all of his generals and the mighty men are shaking in their sandals and they're just like, oh, what are we going to do? This guy is... This guy is going to destroy us. But what does David say? Right? This little shepherd boy. He says, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Right? And the king calls him and tries to give David his armor and his weapons. And David's like, Oh, this doesn't fit me. It's, I don't need this. And he just takes a few stones and he goes up to this giant, and it says, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give you the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistine this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, 
for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. He right? so has this like you know this amazing speech, and Goliath's like, who is this? You know, who is this little kid? And then he takes this swing, sling. I don't know what it may have looked like to me. Like a slingshot is like this, but he, this is one of the, like a thing that he twirls around and he shoots it at Goliath's head, hits him in the forehead. He falls down. Uh, I don't know if he died or not. Then David he takes Goliath's sword and he chops off his head. And then, and then he carries around in a duffel bag, right? That's crazy, right? David was, 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 you know, he, he was gangster. But what made the difference for David was that he had God's perspective, right? When he saw the giant, he didn't see his height or his strength. He didn't see his huge sword or his javelin or his armor. Who did he see when he looked at this giant, right? He he saw God first. His 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 mindset was not set on this giant, it was set on God first. His eyes were set on God. When God when David saw Goliath, he saw a man coming against the power of the one and only God of Israel. And he didn't see a powerful giant. He saw the power of God. First and foremost. The power of the Almighty. And that was his perspective. And no one there had that perspective besides David. And it made all the difference. Now where did David get this perspective? It, he wasn't big. You know, the Bible says he was ruddy. I don't really don't know exactly what that means, but I know that it's not like a powerful adjective. Right? He, he, was, he, was, he was smaller than his brothers. Right? He wasn't stronger than anyone else. He was, he was still a kid. He was the lowest of his family members. He was out there tending sheep. Was considered like what the the, the lowest member of the family would would be and we, would, would be asked to do. This isn't the warrior David with his amazing victories of battle through God's hand. This is David. He's fresh on the scene. He's just a young man. He's in his teens, right? Numbers one, uh, chapter one, verse three says the. Count the men that are 20 years and older for them to be a part of the army of Israel, right? So that means he's under 20. He's a teenager. And, and this teenager kid, where does he get this perspective of looking at this giant when everybody's afraid? He's able to look at him and say, I can destroy you because of the Lord. Where does he get this perspective? God hadn't done anything with him yet. And David got his perspective from being out in the field, tending his father's sheep, and encountering God in the hidden place. Right? He was encountering God in a place of intimacy. and Because David was a worshiper. Right? If you look at the Psalms, so much of the Psalms are written by David. David, he, he built the tabernacle of David, right? 24-7, they worshipped the Lord. He was a worshiper. Before he was a warrior, he was a worshiper. And through his worship and his intimacy with the Lord, he had out a perspective that was established in the in the in the, in the power and in the glory of the Lord. We see it in the Psalms. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. O Lord, my Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. He was a worshiper. From a young age, he learned to worship and be in the presence of God. Long before David faced off with Goliath, he learned how to face God. He learned how to look at God and experience God. And what gave him 
and, and what gave him this courage and faith that could defeat giants was from encountering God in intimacy, delighting in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, seeking Him while He can be found. His perspective came from encountering and experiencing God in worship. And if you look at the way that he lived his life, he had a supernatural perspective that God formed inside of him. He came to know God, not just know of Him, but He knew Him. And we see this perspective all throughout his life, all through the Psalms. He he worships God despite of, right? When he's being chased by Saul, he's, he's being hunted, and he continues to worship and give glory to the Lord. He gives glory to God in spite of what's happening in his life. Because his perspective wasn't just about God, his perspective was God. He constantly saw God first in everything. Because it was facing Him. It's the power of God's perspective. It's seeing everything by looking at God first. And this is what the Bible expects us to do when we look at our circumstances, when we look at the world around us. Right? Are we looking at it first through the prism and the lens of God first? Do we look through God first? Or are we looking at things and saying, God, I want that. God, change this. God, fix this. Or are we looking at those things through God and saying, oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, having the wrong perspective can also make all the difference. Now, David was the greatest king. Elijah is considered the greatest prophet in, the, in, in, in Israel's history. First King chapter 18, Elijah defeats the prophets of Baal, right? He has this contest where Baal was like, was one of the, you know, the major, you know, false gods in that, in that region. And, and all of these prophets of Baal were just like, you know, like, you know, just ruining the, the people of Israel, right? And he brings forth like, he has this competition with them and he, he tells them like, hey, let's have this competition of gods and you guys can take all of these sacrifices. And, and do whatever you want. You ask, tell God to bring down fire from heaven so that you can and, and, and consume this sacrifice. And then I'll do my thing. And so the, the prophets about a bunch of like 400 of them, they all have all these animals cut up. And, and, you know, they start whipping themselves and they start praying to bow. And they're like, oh, bow, you know, like, please bring down fire. They do this for hours, right? Upon hours and nothing happens, right? And they've just been whipping themselves silly and just crying out to bow and nothing happens. And then Elijah comes. And he has them to pour like water upon water upon water upon water upon the altar, right? And he just it's like more water. We need more water, right? Right? The complete opposite of what you do to to cause something to burn. And then he prays to God, and then God of the Israelites, you know, his fire comes down from heaven. It consumes every bit of the sacrifice, looks up every bit of the water, and even like you know, consumes the sacrifices that the the the, the the priests of Baal were trying to get their God to to, to do it. He just, he just consumes everything, right? And then and then the 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 you know he tells the the people of Israel like to you know to kill the prophets of Baal. They all go and they kill them. And 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 this is this mighty victory that Elijah has in the sight of, of God. And he is able to call down fire from heaven from God to consume this this amazing. They have this like amazing, uh, um, you know, like like show of God's power before him. And then 
he, he goes beyond that and he, he, he ends the drought and famine that's upon this land. He goes there and, and, and cries out and, and, and there's been a mighty drought and this, this famine and all of a sudden it starts to rain and people are like, oh my goodness. You know, Elijah's crushing it, right? He's like, you know, he's, he's, he, he, he's the man. But immediately after that in chapter 19, Ahab, who's the, the king of Israel and, and Jezebel, right, his wife, right, threatening to kill him. They're like, you know, I'm going to kill you, Elijah. And in verse 3 of chapter 19, it says, Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Verse 4, But he went, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, It, it is enough now, O Lord, take, take away my life. For I am no better than my father's, right? Such a stark contrast to what's happening. Eliza lost perspective, right? Because he set his eyes on man. He started to look at Ahab and Jezebel and their threats of you know killing him and destroying him. And then he loses his perspective. So many times this happens to us. We lose sight of God as our first and foremost. And we start looking at the things in our lives and fo- focusing on that. And we end up with this this earthly, fleshly perspective. Our perspective makes all the difference, right? And nothing really changes, but it can change everything. Right? Still, you know, you might still not be married, still not have that career that you want, still haven't found that breakthrough that you needed. But if you have God's perspective, right, you're able to see the world in a completely different way. It could change our disposition. It could ra- radically change our heart and our minds. Right? It's about perspective and how we perceive the world. And we need to maintain God's perspective in, in how we see the world and how, how we see our circumstances, how we see the people around us, how we see God Himself will radically be changed as we have God's perspective. Right? I want to leave you today with three points really quickly, on maintaining God's perspective. And we have to fight for this. This does not come naturally. Right? When you became a Christian, it just didn't naturally just get deposited in you for you to have this kind of... God didn't give you glasses. Right? He didn't give you, like, got His perspective glasses. Now, you know, I want you to look through this and just have this on all the time and you're going to be able to see everything according to what I want for your life. No, He did. We don't have that, right? So we have to fight for this perspective. We have to fight to, to, to be able to, to see the world and see our circumstances through the lens of God's perspective. So how do we fight for this? And the, number one is we have to fight for the gospel perspective. Philippians 1.7 Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel right? we're supposed to have a have a perspective that 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 is the lens that is before us th- through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and it starts with the gospel what Jesus did the gospel is power right? do you know that gospel is power it's not just an idea or information right it's it's power. First Corinthians 1.8 For the word of the cross is folly for those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. 
Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So many times we treat the gospel like it's just like something that we just get past and get over. Like, oh, I, I'm, I mean, I became saved, you know, at this age, and I, I know what the gospel is. I have it in my back pocket. You know, I know everything about it. You don't have to, you can test me on it. And so, you know, I, I think I've passed and gotten past the gospel to other things in my life, other things in my spiritual life. I don't really, you know, I don't have to worry about the gospel anymore. But that's, that's not the way that we're supposed to see the gospel, right? It's not a, it's, it's not the white belt of Taekwondo, right? Everybody hates wearing the white belt, right? I remember when I first took Taekwondo and everybody was like a yellow belt or a blue belt and I had this white belt. I felt shame, right? Some of us, we look at our, our, the gospel in that way as something that we've already passed in our lives. But we treat the gospel like a passenger or a cargo in our car when it is the very engine that powers our vehicle. It's the power of the gospel that transforms our lives. It's the power of the gospel that changes our perspective. We can't change our perspective. Have you ever tried doing, have you ever tried to think differently? It's impossible. It is impossible. You can't be like, oh, I'm going to start thinking differently now. That's why like so many, like old people just are just set in the way. Because one of the hardest things to do in our lives is to change the way that we think. It's not something that we're able to really do. The only way that we can transform the way that we see the world and the way that we perceive the world is through the power of God. The power of the gospel that is at work in our lives. You can't just, you can't just change. You can't just decide one day like, hey, I'm gonna start thinking this way about my life. No. It is the power, it is the truth of God and what He has done, what Jesus has done, to transform us and redeem us and give us eternal life and will continue to transform us. And that very truth should be alive in us at all times. The gospel is not just information, it's the very supernatural power that is at work within our lives. We need a fresh revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives. And you, you guys want to know how the power of the gospel works in our life. The power comes from the assurance, the security, from the certainty that you have the only thing that truly matters in your life. When the gospel becomes that, when the gospel becomes the only truly, like the most important thing in our life is God and what He has done for me and what He has done for us, when that becomes our truth and our reality, we start to be transformed by the power of the gospel. When you allow the power of the gospel to be at work in your life, it radically changes your perspective. And as you believers, and as believers, we have to see the world through the perspective of the gospel. We have to keep fighting for this, right? We have to continue to remind ourselves. It's not easy because we have distractions, but we have to fight for the gospel perspective. And sometimes you have to preach it into our hearts. Sometimes you have to say, hey, I like, 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 do you know what Jesus did for you? Remind yourself of who He is in your life, who he, who he is to you. And my next, second point is that we need the perspective of the Word of God and the Spirit of God. God's perspective is given to us through the, the Word of God, right? the Bible, and through His Spirit. Spirit of God. It says, no one can comprehend the thoughts of God 
expect, except the Spirit of God. It's 1 Corinthians 2.11. We have to have both. We have to have the Word of God and we have to have the Spirit of God at work in our lives. The Bible is just a book. You know, this, this is just a book if without, the, without the Spirit of God. You can study this Bible. If you're not a Christian, you can study it. You can get a lot of moral teachings and you can get a lot of like, you know, things that, you know, are, are very like, you know, like good and, and, you know, understanding. You might even read it like literature and see it as like this good story that you can, but without the Spirit of God within you, this is not going to be like life-giving. This is not going to be the, the Word of God that is alive and at work in your life. But it's only by the Spirit of God that is at work in your heart. But through the Spirit, the Word of God becomes living and active. And what are we called to do with the Word? We're not just supposed to know it, we're not just supposed to memorize it, but we're supposed to live it out. As we live out the Word of God, and as we, as we are being transformed by the Spirit of God and the Word of God, that's where we find ourselves at the center of the will of God. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the Word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It's only when the Word of, his, Word of God is alive and through the Spirit of God in us are we able to have that perspective. Right? Where we're able to read this and say, Hey, this is what God wants for me. This is, this is the perspective that God wants me to have. I'm able to read this and I'm able to understand this and I'm able to have this perspective because Jesus did what He said He said He did. And the Spirit of God is in me transforming my life. Gospel power transforms our lives. The Word through the Spirit comes alive in us. And the Word of God comes alive and we start to have the perspective of God. Hebrews foretell, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Discerns the thought and the intentions of the heart. That's our perception, right? Our thoughts and our intentions, right? That is how we see the world and, and, and how we perceive the world. The power of the gospel transforms us. The word of God comes alive in us and our perspective is changed. How we see the world is changed. Our thoughts and our intentions, right? And it becomes God's perspective. And we're compelled to live out the Word of God. If you want to maintain God's perspective, the Word of God has to be alive in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not just knowing it, but living it out. As you live it out, that's when, when, that's when you're, it's like putting gas in a car and actually driving it, right? As you start to live it out, you start to get the perspective of God. And the last point is that, is of love's perspective. The number one thing in living out the Word of God is love, right? It's the number one command. The greatest commandment, both have to do with love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And second is like you love your neighbor as yourself, right? Faith, hope, and love, the greatest is love. Love's perspective, the way that God wants us to love is impossible if we aren't facing God and then we have His perspective. It's easy to love your wife. Right? All right? Paul, you love your wife, right? Helen, you love your husband. Christine, you love Jason. Jason, you love Christine. It's easy to love your wife. It's easy to love your kids. It's easy to love your friends, right? 
You know, Mo is such a great, everybody loves Mo. I love Mo, right? We all love Mo. It's so easy to love because she's such a great person, right? But God tells us, God's rule of love goes so much more beyond that. And it is impossible for us to love the way that God calls us to love if we don't have God's perspective. And we try to do it at times. We try to like love people, like, oh, I'm going to try to love this person that's, you know, being a jerk to me. And then we just end up bitter and broken. Happens all the time to me. Like, God, you're calling me to love this person. I'm going to try to love in my own strength. And I just get beat up, right? They start doing like mean things to me. And I'm like, oh, get all hurt. I'm like, oh, God, what do I do? But we need God's perspective, right? We, we need God to come and start to transform our hearts and our minds. And, and, and we, when we start to seek Him, we, we seek Him and we see Him, and we get, we get a, a revelation of the love that is so amazing and so great and so grand that when we have that love flowing in us, we're able to see people around us that are not the, the, the best, they, you treat us a lot better, but then all of a sudden we're able to see them in a completely different way through God's perspective. That's how we are called to love. And we're only able to love that way when we have God's perspective, when we're able to see the world the way that God wants us to see the world. And that can only happen when we seek Him first. Seek the Lord while He may be found. There's so many times when I feel like you know, there are people who come to our church and then we feel like, I, you know, I feel as a pastor, oh, I'm supposed to love this person, right? And they just end up hurting me. I get so hurt and I just get all depressed. And I be like, oh God, you know. But when I see my life in those situations, I'm not seeking Him. What I see myself doing is I'm trying to perform. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do things. I'm supposed to do this because I'm a pastor. Right? That's how I go into the situation and I end up Getting beat up, I end up getting hurt. But but when when I'm what I'm doing first and foremost is seeking God, seeking His face, seeking His presence, understanding how much He loves me, what He has done for me, how He has transformed my life, how He is for me. That there's nothing that can separate me from His love, no height, no death, no no heavens or angels or anything of the nothing can separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. So when I when that becomes my truth and my reality, I'm able to see people in a completely different way. I'm able to see people the way that God wants me to see people. I'm able to love people the way that God wants me to love people. I want to close with this question today. How how do you see your world? How do you perceive your world? How do you perceive the world around you? Is it based on what you see in the natural or do you see it through your perception of God? Is He the prism through which you take in the world? Or are you just looking at things and trying to apply God to those things in your life? Because what God wants to do, it's all about priority. He wants us to look at Him First and foremost, he wants us to look at him and, and, and be entranced by him to the point where everything around us right, is seen through the, the prism of God. And, and, and in a sense, that's the way that God wants us to, to have relations, relationship with the people in our lives. Right? And one of the way, reasons why so many people, so many Christians, and, and, you know, like end up divorced and, 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 and you know, some, some people, you know, like they have so many, like, you know, 
troubles in their marriages because they're not seeing their spouse through the prism of God. They're not seeing God first. And what happens is they start to to attribute things to their spouse. They try to attribute things to themselves that God doesn't want you to do. And you start to see your spouse and you start to see the people in your life in a completely, in a way that God does not want you to see them. And you start asking God, God, why did you bring this person into my life? God, what happened here? But what does it say? Isaiah 55. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek him. And in seeking him and in finding him, we'll be able to find the perspective and the, and, the, and the way to perceive this world that God wants us to have. And it makes all of the difference in the way that we see the people around us, in the way that we see our circumstances, in the way that we see our lives, in the, see, in the way that we see our troubles, in the way that we see our doubts, in the way that we see our in, insecurities. It changes everything. It starts to transform us, but it happens when we seek Him first and foremost. Let's all stand up and let's close with prayer.